Hey, it was uh, hard to be gone for two weeks because I love you guys so much. And uh, Arizona was fun. Had some time with my wife. Thanks a lot for that. And uh, the pastor's retreat was ridiculous. It was the best one ever. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, came back, uh, painted my little girl's room because it was her birthday. And then uh, two days later, imagine that, I had a back issue. Uh, Sunday morning, um, we... Um, we're getting ready to go to church downtown Minneapolis. That was amazing. A lot less people than the first Sunday, but man, I'm telling you what, they're doing it for the Lord, and it was really cool to be there. But I reached down to tie my shoe, and I didn't come back up. And so uh, been struggling with m- many of you guys that have been here a long time. I see some new faces, so this would be new for you, but uh, I have a chronic back injury, and so sometimes it's just the way it is. And um, so it's been a rough week for me. Had uh, x-rays on Monday and uh, MRI on Monday and got to see some doctor that said, you're fine, go to PT on Tuesday. Could have rung his neck. (laughs) And uh, you know what? When you're in pain, uh, you're like, you don't even understand. But uh, you know what? A lot of us are in pain. You know, some of it's physical. I just think about, you know, the title of the message today is, is so, it's so God, right? It's so God, it's so God. I'm like thinking about Acts 18 and how am I going to preach this and blah, 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 and what's the angle I'll take. And I mean, I feel like God gave me the back injury just so I could understand the passage, just so I could preach it to you. I, I really feel that. I, I, I think that's exactly what God's doing. And uh, it's always too soon to quit. That's the title of the message. Always too soon to quit. You know, There's power in making disciples. Why would we ever quit making disciples? There's so much power in it. But when there's power in something, it's also challenging as well, right? When God gives you the power to do something, there's a challenge as well. It's a battle. It's a warfare. Uh, I was drawn to Ephesians, and just let me read it for you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness, we live in a dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Like, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. (laughs) This is is game on spiritual work, right? And it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. So, whether physical pain or... I know several families are wrestling with infertility, uh, singleness. There's a lot of single people here that I know would love to be married. You know, financial crisis, that video. I mean, I've taken financial peace twice. Every time I take it, it's like, yes. What a great reminder of what God's doing. And this is God's money. And we get that perspective. Everything kind of flows right. But financial crisis, some of you guys are facing that. Please take Financial Peace University. Right? It'll be the best $80 you spent. If you can't do it, please see me personally. I'd love to pay for you to go. Right? Please. It would be an honor to get you on track that way. Right? Rebellious kids. My kids aren't quite old enough to be really rebellious yet, but I know it's coming. <laughs> and uh, rebellious kids. I mean, that's a, har- that's a hardship. That's a pain. Right? We're in a battle. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's sickness, disease, even death of a loved one. Whatever it is, I've tried to put some names on it. I hope that wasn't painful for you. 
I'm not trying to bring pain up, but uh, that thing, okay, let's just call it that thing, that thing, that trial that has you discouraged or depressed even, I hope not into despair yet, and get your eyes off the mission to make disciples, right? The thing we are called to do in this day and age on the earth, the thing that gets you off making disciples, that thing. Well, I want you to know that you're not alone in this struggle, right? You're not the only one that wants to quit sometimes. You flip over to Acts 18, and you look at Paul, the most powerful guy in all of Scripture, <laughs> besides Jesus. I mean, he wrote a ton of the New Testament and helped Luke with the rest of his stuff. I know the pain's real, and I know the trial is intense. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's a spiritual battle. But in Acts 18, we find Paul in the midst of the struggle, and it's on, right? So we're going to get there in a second. I want to recap everything up to 18. This is going to be the last message in the second missionary journey of Paul. So let's just start at Antioch, right? He left Antioch, but remember there was an argument Right? This journey of Paul started with an argument with his best friend. And it didn't resolve. Two people going two different ways. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we talked about how to handle, you know, disagreement. I'm thankful for Matt and Chris preaching in between. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But just let me recap these things. So he goes up and he gets to Lystra, right? Lystra. And uh, he meets Timothy. Oh, yeah. Making disciples, baby. Timothy's like, he's the apprentice. He's the one he's going to hand the baton to. This is like his son in the faith. Everything's great. Yeah, well, let me remind you that as soon as Timothy got on board, that he couldn't go south and he couldn't go north. He couldn't crack Asia and he couldn't get up into anything up north. Like it, God just, he traveled for so many miles with no open door. What does that mean? Does that mean he didn't open his mouth? No, that means he opened his mouth a ton of times and he got stonewalled every time. And he finally got to Troas and he had a vision. He's had six in Acts and uh, we're, that's the second one. We're going to see the third one today. He has this vision. A man of Macedonia says, come on over. And in Troas, he picks up Luke. He picks up Luke. Now, Luke was a physician, and he met Paul's needs tons. I mean, another disciple. He's making disciples. This is so good, right? And he gets over to Philippi, and he goes over and he gets Lydia, right? And Lydia gets saved. And this, things are going so well. Then he does this miracle, casts this, guy, uh, this demon out, and he uh, winds up getting beaten, right? beaten to a bloody pulp, sitting in prison, tortured, like Chris said, right? And what is he doing? He's worshiping the Lord. He's singing. Like, what kind of resolve is that? I don't have that resolve. What kind of resolve is that? It's amazing what he did. And then when they send him out, right? God does a miracle, the earthquake and all that, and then the Philippian jailer gets saved in his whole household. You're like, woo, making disciples. This is great. And then what? Like, you're out of town. Get out of town. <laughs> what? What? No, you got to leave now. All right. And it says at the end there of the chapter that he strengthened, he encouraged 
the disciples. He had the wherewithal, even after all that, to encourage the disciples, right? I'm like, this guy is, he's an Iron Man, right? He's a spiritual Iron Man. This guy is ridiculous. And he goes down to Thessalonica. And a bunch of people get saved. He makes a bunch of disciples. And he's telling them all about Jesus Christ. And he's trying to make them into spiritual, mature believers, right? Like we're doing here every week. And the mob comes, and the riot, and the, you're going to get killed. And they take Jason, and they, what's worse than getting beaten yourself? Having to see your buddy get beaten in your stead, right? And they, Jason, you know, buys his way out of jail and all that, and the brothers send him away to Bria. Same cycle happens, right? Bunch of people get saved at Bria. Everything's going great. And then the mob from Thessalonica comes down, and they do it all again. And he gets sent away. This time he's not going to get sent away by land. They're like, you got to get away from here. you gotta, you got to take the boat down to Athens. And he takes the boat all the way down to Athens. And the people that took him there, he sent them back to get Silas and Timothy. And he's alone. Being alone is not a good thing when you're under attack spiritually. And he's alone. And he's struggling. And it says there was a, his spirit was provoked in him. And there was this intense battle inside of him. Not just exterior, but now interior, right? Isn't it true when it gets inside of you, when your brain starts doing this stupid stuff? Like I was this week, like, God's not good. I have this back injury again. And then you remember, hold on. God's not the one doing this. God has allowed Satan to rule this world, and Satan hates people that are devoted to Jesus Christ, and Satan will kill you if he can. But he can't without God's permission, right? But he is sifting you like wheat. Jesus said that to Peter. And Jesus said, I have prayed for you, that when you get through it, that you might strengthen your brothers. I love that. He's alone. He's in turmoil. And then he goes and he preaches his gut out at, at, at Athens and like a handful of people get saved. It's just, just a few. And he leaves. When was the last time you saw Paul leave a place where somebody got saved without a reason? Unless he's getting kicked out of town, stoned to death, or beaten and asked to leave. I mean, he's sticking around. So what's going on with Paul? Is he discouraged? Is he out of money? Does he need work? What's going on with Paul? I mean, why would he leave these handful of people? Was it not enough for him? Was he like, oh, that's not enough people. It's got to be more than that. It doesn't seem like Paul. What's going on with Paul? Why does he leave? Well, I think if you know your Bible, is he ready to give up? Is he fearful? Well, 1 Corinthians, you could read that today. It's him writing back. Safe to say that he was defeated, discouraged, down and out, maybe even done. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 3 says this, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. 
That's how he came to them. That's how he came. That's how this writer of the New Testament, this gospel-proclaiming, you know, hellfire and brimstone preacher came to them. (laughs) And in chapter 18, you see it in verse 8, Jesus comes to him personally and says, do not be afraid. If Jesus has to come to you and say, do not be afraid, what do you think you are? Full of fear, (laughs) right? He says, go on speaking. If Jesus has to tell you to speak as a disciple of Jesus Christ, what do you think is going on in you? I think it's time to be quiet. I think I'm giving up. I think I'm done. Right? Right? So this is where we find Paul. Paul was thinking about leaving, thinking about heading home to Antioch, thinking about stopping making disciples. So let's answer this question. What should I do when I want to stop making disciples? There's power in making disciples, but what should I do when I want to stop? When I want to stop making disciples, when I want to just hang it up? right? It's always too soon to quit. So what should I do? Here's the first thing. I need to stay engaged with people. I need to stay engaged with people. You're going to see it from the text. Look at verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, 53 miles, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius. Pontius is way up north above Tarsus, where Paul was from. Recently come from Italy. Man, this guy was a world traveler. With his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So if you read commentaries and history books and all this, you understand that uh, Christ had now gone to Rome, right? Not Christ as in Jesus Christ himself, but the gospel of Jesus Christ had made its way to Rome and there was this big uprising, this big tension in Judaism, right, over Jesus Christ being preached, just like it was in Jerusalem, just like it was everywhere Paul went. So it had already gotten to Rome and there was this big uprising about, well, Jesus Christ and, and Claudius like, I'm done with all of you, all you Jews are out. Like you're all kicked out. And they all had to leave Rome. It's around 49 to 50 A.D. And he went to see them. This is Paul now. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked. I never want to work when I'm discouraged. How about you? He worked. I love that. Thanks, Paul, for the example. For they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. All right, now just look at these four verses and take this to heart. You have to stay engaged with people, you know? When you're down, when you're out, when you're discouraged, you want to be alone. You just go on to lay on your uh, back uh, or stomach on some ice and uh, just lay on your bed and just shut the door to your bedroom and just be like, everybody get out, you know? I might be talking from experience, all right? I mean, just like, just, just be quiet, right? Just go away. But you have to stay engaged with people. You have to stay in people's life. Look at all the action words here in the text. Look what Paul did. He travels 53 miles. That must have been a great journey by himself, right? And he, he, it says here he found a Jew named Aquila. He found him. That means he was looking 
for him, right? On the journey, he must have been like, hey, hey, I'm going to Corinth. Do you know anybody there that makes leather stuff, that makes tents, that does that kind of work? Like, must have been inquiring about that. And he found this guy. And once he found out about him, it says right after that, he went to see him. How easy it could have been to be like, well, he probably doesn't have a job for me anyway. I'm, I've been beaten. I'm like a mangled man. I'm, I don't have the, you know. He could have talked his way out of going. But he went. He went to see them. You know, some of you guys came to church today, and it was all you could do just to get here. I totally understand. It was all you could do just to get here. You're like, I'm here. <sighs> That's all I got. But I'm telling you, there's another step. You've got to be engaged with people while you're here. You know, come down for prayer afterwards. Just say to somebody beside you, I barely made it here today. Would you pray with me? That's all you have to do. There's people here that are like happy to be here, and they would love to pray with you. Right? And that would strengthen you. He, he found, he went, he stayed with them. It wasn't like a, hey, thanks for the job. No, like, like he rolled up in there. Like, he's like, I need a place to stay, right? I mean, just ask, right? Hey, I need a job. And by the way, I need a place to stay. I got nowhere. And, you know, sometimes you just got to ask for help. Sometimes you just got to say, can I come over for dinner? Like this week? And you guys that are like really doing great right now, when's the last time you asked somebody to dinner? There's a lot of people that you might not know are hurting and, wouldn't ask themselves over, right? And he just, he works his way in and he stays. I love that staying power. And he worked. He worked. And he didn't just work six days, right? Like six days a week should a man work, right? And on the seventh day, he rest, right? But you see what he did to rest? Do you see what he did? He went to the synagogue. That was his rest, right? And God calls us to that too, right? We're supposed to come here to church. We're supposed to get involved. I mean, I think a lot of people are like, well, I, should, I shouldn't be serving on Sunday. I can't serve in children's ministry or come do greeting. You're like, why not? That's what we do. We pour ourselves out on Sunday. It's a different kind of work. It's more restful, if you might say, because God's burden is light. You got to take initiative and you got to be intentional. You got to carve out some time. Do you see what he did? He carved out time. He's like, hey, I can't work on Sunday. They weren't probably working anyway on Sunday. And when they uh, look at verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, he didn't miss a day. Every Sunday, I'm going to be there. Every Sunday, I'm going to be preaching. Every Sunday, here it comes. And he was reasoning with them. He was trying to convince them with facts, not just like, oh, I've got a great idea. He's trying to convince them with facts that Jesus was the Messiah. And he tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. You know, I think a lot of times when I, I just said that, like about Sunday and rolling up your sleeves and working on Sunday, right? And a lot of you guys are like, I can't do that. Like, I'm tired, man. Like, do you know how much I do in a week? I come here to get away from that all. And I get that. I get that. 
But write this down. Write this down. Capacity is a muscle. Capacity is a muscle. You can exercise it. You can stretch it. You can and you will grow stronger in it. Capacity is a muscle. It might take a while, and that's okay. Maybe you should just do a little bit at first. But you will grow a capacity to do, to be more in Christ than you ever dreamed you could be. You can grow your capacity to work. You can grow your capacity to give. You can grow your capacity to suffer. You can grow your capacity to worship in that suffering. You can grow your capacity to speak for God. You can grow those capacities. Capacity is a muscle. Exercise it this week, right? It'll get stronger. Along the way, look for the God moments. And I think on this first point, here's something you just got to really know. I'm not just telling you to stay engaged with people because I think it's a good idea or I see it in the text. I want you to reap the benefits of that. Here's the benefit. You will build lasting relationships. You will build relationships that will last for a lifetime and beyond. It will last into eternity. The kind of relationships you'll be build as you stay engaged in this church. I love it. Stay engaged with people. Here's the second thing. Stay focused on Jesus. You're like, Sunday school answer, ding dong. Of course we should stay focused on Jesus. Thanks for working all week to get that point. Awesome job, right? But you got to stay focused on Jesus. You know, I went to the pastor's uh, retreat and a guy uh, spoke, uh, Luke McDonald, James's son, spoke this message and it was just like, no matter what, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. I'm just like, duh. But I needed that. And I think we all need to be reminded of the fact that we need to stay focused on Jesus. Look at the text. Verse 5, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. That must have been a party, right? Woohoo! Got some friends here. This is going great, right? Well, we already had Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, he was, it was, this is friend central now. And uh, Paul was occupied. That's a great word. He was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, in the Old Testament, he said God's going to send a Savior to rescue us from our trials. That there's going to be a second Adam to reverse all the things that the first Adam screwed up when he sinned. Yeah, that guy. That's Jesus. Maybe you've never heard that before. So maybe your focus isn't on Jesus. Maybe you've never heard the fact that, hey, we're all sinners because Adam sinned. You ever read Genesis 1? You ever read Genesis 2? You ever read Genesis 3? Yeah, Adam and Eve screwed it up for all of us. And if you were in the garden, you would have too because God gave us intellect, emotion, and will. He gave us a free will. And left to ourselves, we're going to do what we want to do because we want to be God. That's what we want. Check yourself on that. We do. I want to be God this week because I would heal my body. 
I'm just telling you, if we're really honest with ourselves, we want to be God. That might be the most heinous sin ever, right? That I want to be God. Sin is in us. But there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And, and Paul's like trying to say to him, like, there's Jesus. We, we, you missed it. Like, Jesus is the Messiah. If you put your trust and faith in him, he paid the debt on the cross for your sin. The blood can cover you. All you need to do is believe, accept, receive the gift. It's free. So you've never heard that before. Today's a good day for you. Because <laughs> all you've got to be like is, yes, yes. I'm taking that home with me today. This is the best ever day. <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Christ. But you know what? Not everybody will hear it. And so some of you here might be thinking this. And when they opposed and reviled him, reviled means to blaspheme, right? I mean, when they're like, just name calling, right? Just reviling him, railing him. He shook out his garments. We wouldn't understand that because we're not Jews and it's in the Old Testament. I think it's number six. And said to them, your blood be on your own head. So he's using two kind of Jewish things there. You know, that deals with watchmen from Ezekiel. I am innocent. So if a watchman you know, wouldn't protect the city, then it was on the watchman, right? Like everybody died, everybody, it was on me. The blood was on me, right? But he's like, dude, I tried to be the watchman on the wall. I tried to warn you. I tried to tell you, Jesus is the Messiah. You're missing it, but you won't have anything to do with it. Not, blood's not on me, man. I did my job. I sounded the trumpet. You are messed up, right? That's what he's saying. So... Just a little Hebrew there for you. And I am innocent. From now on, I'm going to quit. Right? From now on, it's, it's time to quit. That's not what it says, is it? What does it say, church? Look at it. What does it say? I will go. From now on, I will go. What was the Great Commission? Go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you, right? Teaching them all things. Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. What a comforting statement. Thank you, Jesus. He says, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there, and he went to, he didn't have to go far, he went to the house of a, na- uh, of a man named Titius Justice. Romans always have three names. Every commentator I read said this is Gaius, okay? Gaius Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. What a great place to set up shop. I'll just be preaching over here. You can walk right on past and go to church, right? I hope you hear me here, you know? And he's just preaching the word to the Gentiles, and the Jews can still hear it. I love it. And then Crispus because of the proximity probably, a ruler of the synagogue, believed in who? In the Lord, Jesus Christ, right? Focus on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Who did they believe in? Jesus. Who were they baptized in the name of? Jesus. I mean, this is all about Jesus. This is it. They're focused on Jesus. Paul's like, hey, 
I need to stay focused on Jesus. I need to get back to the message. If you read 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, that's where I pulled that weakness verse. But he's like, I decided to know nothing among you except for Christ and him crucified. That's all I'm about. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. And many people hearing about Jesus accepted Christ and were baptized. I hope that would be true for you today. That you would, as I testify that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, that you would believe in the Lord Jesus and that you would be like, I need to get baptized. In Jesus' name. I want to I identify with Jesus. I want to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. Because he's my Lord and Savior. Whether response or opposition, right? You got to keep on going. You got to continue to be faithful. Don't ever give up. It's always too soon to quit. Look for the God moments again. But in this situation, when you stay focused on Jesus, here's what you're going to do. You're going to reap abundant fruitfulness. When you keep focused on Jesus, when you're just like Jesus, 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 right? You're going to reap abundant fruitfulness. That's what he did. He reaped a huge, I'm sure, rewarding crowd of people. But something happens between verse 8 and 9, and I don't know, it's not there, but I'm telling you. I don't know if it was a nightmare. You ever had one of those? Nightmare comes back, like you hurt your back again, you're like, oh, this might never end, right? I thought maybe this was the last time I was going to be done with it. You know, whether, whether it's a nightmare, whether it's people were starting to murmur and accuse and say, we're going to beat you up, whether he's getting a threatening notes, whether it's a bad test result, I don't know what it was. But something happened. Because you look at verse 9. You look at verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. Now, I wished I had this with God, right? I wish God's like, hey, Steve, listen up, right? Don't you wish that? I think we all have this complex, like, why doesn't God speak to me, right? I think we all do. But let me remind you, these guys didn't have the written word of God. These guys did not have the love letter that you have. You have the totality of Scripture. You have the full canon of Scripture. This is God's word to you. This is God speaking to you. Anytime you want to open it, he'll, and willing to listen, he'll speak. Any and every time you open the word, he's speaking, right? There's this new movie out, The Shack. I don't know if you've gone or not. Don't tell me. I probably won't go. I just, I love, I read the book. I thought it was eye-opening and mind-blowing and then I like went back to scripture and I was like that is so false I'm like really if you want to talk to God roll up to the word of God that's where you're going to talk to right he's not going to be in some lady or some guy or some I don't know you can roll up and talk to him every day okay I'm off my rant um back to this the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. That's what keeps me going. You know that? That's what keeps me going. At the pastor's retreat, I was reading through Psalm, and I just got stuck on chapter 40 in the middle of the pastor's retreat. Here's what it says. Psalm 40, verse 1. 
I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. That he inclined to me and heard my cry is so amazing. Why would God bend his ear to me? Why would God get off his throne or even lean over and go, oh, I'm hearing you. He's God. I'm a peon. I'm a, I'm a little speck. I'm nothing. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. This is a week or so before I actually hurt my back that I was stuck on this. And he set my feet upon a rock. I have Jesus written by that. Making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God gave that to me. Before I had the back injury. And just keep coming back to it. Coming back to it. Coming back to it. Coming back to it. Does God do that to you? Does God ever give you like some encouraging verses? The Lord spoke to Paul and he still speaks to us today. Some of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And they became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Just think about that. Makes me want to rip the word open. My life verse, the verse I memorized maybe first after John 3.16. Isaiah 40.30. But they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Just think about that when you can't walk. Just think about that verse. When you can't get yourself out of bed because you're so discouraged, right? When you're like, I can't take another walk in this spiritual journey. I can't make another disciple. Like, Just think of those verses. Let me show you some on the screen. Write these verses down because they're going to be a huge encouragement to you. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 10. You need to know that verse. You need to have that one on speed dial. And then this. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28-30. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. And some of you guys, you're probably <laughs> going to serve at 11 o'clock and you're tired and you stayed up late and you're getting up early and maybe you're laboring and heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Don't try to do it in your own strength. And learn from me. You know, serving is more about learning than it is about teaching, isn't it? <laughs> Good reminder this week. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, you want to trade your thing for his thing. <laughs> like whatever you're carrying that's heavy, you just give it to him and just take it on, right? Take what he's carrying. <laughs> then this verse, Hebrews 13, verse 5. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, no fear of man. No fear of man. Like, what's, 
your boss going to do to you? What's your neighbor going to do to you when you invite them to Easter this year? What are they going to do to you anyway? They come or they won't come. God, right? God will never leave you nor forsake you. This last one, uh, it's a little longer, but I think he's writing to elders in First Peter. And then he gets to this, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that at the proper time he may exalt you. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties, your cares on him. And we do have them, right? I mean, do we have them? Like, we can agree that we have cares, anxieties. I read the prayer registers. I know you do. I do too. Because Jesus cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somewhere to devour. He will try to take you down. He will try to rip you up. Stay together. Stay with the people. Keep your eyes on Christ. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You know, there's people that are suffering more than we are in this world. We don't have it that bad. We live in America. You know, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Like give him the glory. He's going to do it. I hope that you wrote those verses down. I hope that they can be encouragement to you. Do you have some verses that encourage you? As I'm reading those, you're like, yeah, but you got to put this verse up. You got something like that? You've been reading the Word? I want to encourage you to text those to your small group buddies this week, small group gals. Text those encouraging verses. Everybody needs that word of encouragement. Text them to them. I encourage you to put that on Facebook. I spent more time on Facebook this week than I think I ever do. A lot of time on my hands, I guess. But you know what? It'd be awesome if our church was putting some healthy stuff on Facebook, right? Right? Just put put that encouraging verse on there, that verse that really keeps you going. Put that out there on Facebook and uh, encourage one another and build one another up. Just let me continue to read this. The Lord said to Paul, One night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. It doesn't say nobody will attack you. It just says nobody will attack you to harm you. Just keep that (laughs) in, in your mind. For I have many in this city who are my people. That's a reference to election right there. I got a lot of people that are still going to get saved. They're they're already called. They're already right here. So Paul could have said, well, great, then I'm out because I know they're going to get saved. Right? Isn't that what we do, sovereignty people? Don't have to say a word because they're already gods. No. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man have to collide. You have to open your mouth and speak the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Paul's like, all right. And he stayed. I love this. He stayed, he stayed, he stayed, he stayed, he stayed. A year and six months teaching the word of God among them. I have equals making disciples. If you want seven words for what make a disciples is, this is it. Teaching the word of God among them. Not from afar, 
right with them, doing life on life, telling them, opening the Bible, getting into the Word, that's making disciples. That's how we do it. Look for the God moments in the Word of God. Stay encouraged by God's Word. Stay encouraged by God's Word. That's what you need to do. The Word of God is so encouraging. You open it up, it's life and breath. The days I don't read it, I stink. And I think this is what you'll reap uh, a reward. Enjoy eternal protection. Just get your mind on the fact that this life is so short and that eternity is so long and that you have eternal sealing and protection and then just enjoy that moment. Like, I know where I'm going. This thing's just a little while anyway. Just enjoy that eternal protection. This last thing, I'll just state the point and then I'm going to read it for you. Stay dependent on God's favor. You're going to see Gallio. Wow. Sosthenes. Wow. Priscilla and Aquila. Wow. Ephesian Jews. Wow. Let's just, I'll read it for you. But when Gallio was proconsul, governor of Achaia, he's a Roman official. This is a big deal. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. He brought, they brought him to court, okay? The people's court. Saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. The Romans had a law. You couldn't, like, bring a new religion, right? Watch what happens. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, why was he about to open his mouth? Because Jesus just showed up like and said, don't be silent, right? So he's like, I got something to say about this. Good boldness. God's like, I got it, all right? Just, just, shh, shh, all right? Galileo, Galileo, sorry. It's a different guy. <laughs> pretty sure, pretty sure. <laughs> Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing, this guy's doing nothing wrong, or vicious crime, he's not doing anything. Oh, Jews kind of placating. I would have reason to accept your complaint, but I'm not going to. But since it's a matter of questions about words and names, Jesus, of your own law, Judaism, see to it yourself. I refuse to be a judge over these things. He's basically like, hey, this whole Christianity thing is with Judaism, which we recognize, and it's okay. Don't you love that? That is huge God's protection right there. That is God's favor right there. If this guy goes, yep, you're right, and throws this out, it's ramifications on all that's under Roman rule, which is basically the whole of creation at that point. Christianity could have been shut down right there and then. But God protected it. That's God's favor. And he drove them from the tribunal. He's like, get out of here, right? And they all, man, it took me a while to get that. See, there's people around, the Greeks, you know, would be around and they'd be watching these. You know, it's kind of probably entertaining to see this guy go off on people, right? So, or to judge or whatever. So they're around and, and he's like driving them out. So they're like, dude, this is a great time. Anti-Semitism was, was you know, then too, right? So they grabbed this guy, the ruler, the, the main speaker for them, the ruler of the temple, and they start to beat him in front of the court. He sees Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue. They needed a new ruler, right? Because uh, Crispus has gotten saved. <laughs> He's out. And they beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo, 
paid no attention to any of this. He's like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Which is interesting since that's a vicious crime. Right? But I want you to see how God uses this because when Paul writes his first letter to the Corinthians, he says, hey, I'm here writing and I'm with Sosthenes. Now, how did Sosthenes, the guy that's attacking and bringing him to the court, become a believer? Because you think Paul hasn't been beaten before? And when all the Jews ran and hide because they didn't want to get beaten, Paul's picking him up off the cement and going, come to my house, I'll, I'll take care of your wounds. Because he's been there before. See, this pain that you've suffered, this thing in your life, it's going to help you minister to other people. And that's God's favor to you. You've got to be dependent on that in the moment. You have to stay dependent on that when it's hard. That's God's favor to you. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it is. And after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila, at Sencri, he had cut his hair. This is another Jewish reference. And, you know, he had made a vow to God, and now it was time to end that vow, and so he cut his hair off. That's what they would do. And then they had to get to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices and to give the hair in, I guess, or whatever. And when he came to Ephesus, you can see this on the map, he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay, well, that's a different story, isn't it? Like these Jews are like, yeah, we want to hear about this. That's great. It's like, I should stay longer. He, they asked him to stay longer for a longer period. He declined. They're like, what, Paul? What? Well, he's on a mission, right? He made a vow to God. You don't mess with vows to God. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return if God wills. I'll be back. And he did come back for some three years and did a great work there. And he set sail from Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea, he went up. That's to Jerusalem and greeted the church in Jerusalem and then went down to Antioch. That's where he started at. That's home base for him to report all these things. After spending some time there, he departed. This is the start of the third missionary trip. We'll talk about it next week and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. We got we got him back, don't we? We got him back. Paul's back. He's now there. He's strengthening the disciples. He's like, time, time to go back and do the work again. I remember all the beatings. I had all the nightmares, but God's on our side. It's time to make disciples. I love God's favor in this thing. Let's just close with this. As Paul made disciples in Corinth, the Lord gave him just the encouragement and the favor that he needed to keep him going. And I believe God's going to do that in your life too give you just what you need when you need it. These same blessings are available to us today. So I want you to take a minute, right, as we close the message. I want you to look back over your notes, right? Which point, stay engaged with people, stay focused on Jesus, stay encouraged by God's word, stay dependent on God's favor. Which one of those points do you need to commit to applying to your life this week? Which one is it? Maybe it's more than one, but start with one. Better do one thing than many and do nothing. Write, I've been saying I need, I need, I need. Write, I will by that. Right in front of it. I will stay engaged with people. I will 
Stay focused on Jesus. I will, I'm committed to it this week, stay encouraged by God's word. I will stay dependent on God's favor. Which one is it? Right I will, right by that. And set your heart on doing that this week. Because it's always too soon to quit making disciples. It's just too soon. It's too soon to give up on the power. You have the power at your fingertips. It's just right here. And you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Or you could today. Let's stand. God, I ask you, seal these things on our heart. We need, we need, we need, as in I will apply this to my life this week. God, please seal it on our hearts that we need and we will apply these truths to our life. You're such a good God to give us your word. Set our heart on it, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.